Okay, let's open up to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. Um, like I say, we've been a few weeks in Hebrews 11. It's been a real benefit to me, and I think God has been challenging my heart during this. This is all about faith, and it's a faith walk. And God, I, I tell you, from time to time, it's not on a daily basis, but at least on a weekly or at least a, every other week basis, God comes up with a new way to say, do you trust me? <laughs> he delights in my trust for him, and he kind of comes up with creative ways to ask me if I trust him. Maybe your life's like that. Let's pray. God, as we look into this good, good chapter, it's, it's deep. There's a lot of things here. We pray that, Spirit of God, you would speak to our hearts, deep calling to deep, and speak in a way that even I can't, Lord, to the, the deepest recesses of our being. We need faith. And we pray that you would quicken faith in us through your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Look where we ended up in verse 23. And I'm not going to do much by way of review. Just verse 23, we kind of looked at that last week. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. It's a godly child. And they were not afraid of the king's uh, commandment. And we talked about that briefly. Uh, Jochebed, his mom, I think his father's name was Amram. It doesn't say it here. You have to look, you know, in different places like First Chronicles when they give you, you know, those genealogies to find out what his parents' names were. So, but that's not really uh, Moses' faith. You know, he didn't do anything. That was mostly his parents. Uh, now, in verse 24, we look at Moses, and there's quite a few verses about him. Now, Moses is an interesting character. We don't even know what his real name is. Jochebed, his mom, Amram, if that's his dad, and I believe it is, they would have gave him a name. Moses is the name we know him by, but that was given by this Egyptian princess who fished him out of the uh, out of the Nile. She would call him Moses because we we took him out of the out of the river. What was his what was his Jewish name? We don't even know. Interesting. Um, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, the story is they put him in the his 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 mom and dad built him a little basket, think of it, a little floating device so he didn't drown, placed him in the river, and uh, Pharaoh's daughter come just by happenstance, you all right, right? Uh, we, we always, you know, things like luck, as luck would have it, you know, we always say things like that. Luck's not a kosher word. God was pulling strings and getting the right people in the right places. So Miriam followed the, the basket along, and so here comes Pharaoh's daughter to uh, do her cleansing ritual, and she notices this, and, and the baby starts crying, so she takes pity on it, him, and adopts her into his family. And so Miriam's there. Miriam is uh, Moses' oldest sister. Says, you want me to get one of the Hebrew ladies to, to nurse him for you? Yeah, do it. So basically, he she gets her mom to nurse her baby, getting paid. <laughs> uh, I know all your mom's saying, I didn't get paid when that. Hey, this is God. This is, this is how he does sometimes, you know. Uh, imagine if Satan knew what was going on. 
he, he's footing the bill, basically. You've got to figure the whole world life in wickedness, literally in the lap of the wicked one. Who's in charge of Egypt, you know, for the most part? They're not worshiping the God of the Hebrews. They're worshiping, you know, false deities. And you know Satan and his, his crowd are behind that. And so, you know, Satan's, you know, manipulating Egypt. And now he's footing the bill to, to, to raise the deliverer who's going to smash the power of Egypt. Isn't that incredible how God does like that? Now, this nursing stage, what would that be? Three to five years, most people think. Most people who study biblical, it doesn't say, but she's, his mom's pouring into him some stuff at this time. Imagine that. Like, hey, you're not really an Egyptian. Oh yeah, you're going to be brought up in the palace and stuff, but you remember your people. Did she tell him about Abraham, about Isaac, about Jacob? I'm sure. Did she tell him about the God of Israel? I'm sure. So, to the point where when he's 40 years old, he comes to this place where he's saying, Egypt, some Egypt. He's the crown prince. He's going to be Pharaoh. This, and by the way, you really should do this. Listen, you really should do this. There's um, YouTube videos called like the real Mount Sinai and things like this. Because I hear Egyptologists say there's no real evidence of an exodus from Egypt. This is all silliness and this is... The, it's not that they're biblically illiterate, which that's a given. It's that they're... Illiterate, they don't even watch YouTube videos. That's how illiterate they are. There's plenty of evidence out there. So you can, they'll take you to the foot of the real Mount Sinai, the one that actually exists, and you will see the altar that was set up there with a, with a, a carved bull uh, on it. Uh, you will see like the top of the mountain charred and stuff like this. They'll show you all this stuff in the YouTube video. Uh, they'll show you the quail in the area. They'll say, I, 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 anyone ever see this besides me? Any of you guys are, okay, some of you guys, am I lying? Are you talking? Do, do I know what I'm talking about? You see these things, you're saying like, incredible, incredible, incredible. There's more documentary evidence of the crossing of the Red Sea than there is a lot of historical events. And they'll take you down to the bottom of the ocean in some videos I saw, and you can see like, because a chariot wheel wouldn't be in existence in salt water for, you know, over a thousand years, but the coral that grew in that shape, those interesting shapes, they're still there. And you'd, you can easily uh, imagine that it grew up around a chariot tire or something like that. It, it's, it's incredible to me. And, and then people who study this say, well, you know, Ramses and, and this and what. Ramses? What are you talking about? I think his father or his stepdad was a guy named Thutmose, the second or the third. I can't remember. Uh, Amos was in there. And they have, like, I think it's the Most Dynasty, M O S. That's why they get the name Moses. And I think his mother was a lady named Hatshepsut. You remember way back when you were in the seventh grade and you remember that Egyptian princess and she actually served as pharaoh for a while after her husband died and he was next in line. He was going to be the pharaoh. Well, all that to say this, he comes of an age and, and, and by the way, uh, Moses, he's kind of an interesting character in this. His life can be evenly divided into 40, 40, and 40 years. At 40, he, he turns away from Egypt and he and he identified himself with the people of God. And then 40 years in the wilderness, serving his, 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 his father-in-law, Jethro, raising sheep, and then the burning bush, and then the last 40 years, he's leading the children of Israel out, uh, out of Egypt uh, into the promised land. 40 years thinking he was something, 40 years understanding he was nothing, and then 40 years seeing what 
that God could do something with somebody who didn't think they were nothing. It's just an amazing thing to me how uh, his life is just like that. But anyway, he, when he, he was come to years. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And let's go over to Acts chapter 7. Cause, and you can keep your finger here. We'll be right back. But Acts gives us some... It, it's in where Stephen's talking to the Sanhedrin. And he gives a lot of... I wish we had time to look at this whole thing. There's a very prominent theme. And the theme is, you never get it the first time. You always miss it the first time. But the second time you get it. And he goes, he takes that, he takes them the history of, uh, like when Abraham, he was called, he went up river for a while and stayed there for like, it was like 15 or 20 years. And finally God called him after his father died. And then he goes into the promised land. You know, first King Saul, no, not so much. Second King David, you always get it. Well, you remember when your forefathers came into Egypt and they met up with Joseph? You didn't understand who he was. Ah, but the second time he did. And he's making this, and so he's, his, where he's going to tie this all in, he's going to say, hey, Christ, you didn't recognize him the first time, but you'll see him the second time and you know him for who he is. Is that true, by the way? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway, but I'm just going to look at the parts where it talks about Moses. Um, uh, and when, uh, oh, I'm, that's because I'm on the wrong page. Here we go. Uh, verse 20. Which time Moses was born, he was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And he was cast out. Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learning all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. Which is interesting to me. He's mighty in words, but he says he can't speak when at the burning bush, remember? I, I, I can't talk, Lord. God's like, eh, I made the mouth. Wouldn't I know if you could talk or not? Listen, take Aaron. Aaron can talk, can he? You know, but he's mighty in word and deed. And by the way, uh, Josephus tells us, and I don't know if you have read Josephus, it's worth a while. I listened on, you know, books on recordings, you know, on LibriVox. And I, I listen to all the... It's interesting enough. And he says that he was a mighty general. He had a victory over the Ethiopians that was kind of put him in a position of like, you know, as a military leader. And, and so he was mighty in word and deed. The, the deed is military victories. The word, I think, I guess he was a, quite a speaker. And when he was full 40 years old, it came in his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. What happened to the other 39 years? I don't know. You know, some things are just birthed in your heart and they finally come to that place where, you know, fruit is born. I don't know. I understand all that. I mean, I can't. But here he is, 40 years old. He finally comes to the place where, hey, I'm going to go check out on Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. That's a bad plan. <laughs> God's like, oh, great. Now you're finally in, on my team. Uh, yeah, I want you to kill all the Egyptians. We'll get them one at a time, right? <laughs> That's how it happens, I think, sometimes when we you know, take matters into our own hands. So now he becomes a murderer. Now he's on the run because of what happens next. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. Well, I don't think it was God's plan for him to kill that man. The next day he showed himself unto them. That, and by the way, can sinners be men of faith? You better believe it, and you better hope so, because we're all sinners. And we'll look at that when we look at, especially in next week's, you know, he'll, talk, he'll say, you know, time will fail me to tell of, uh, of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson. Sinner, sinner, sinner. 
I, I think that's a good thing. I, you're going to need faith, sinner or saint alike. You're going to need to. You're going to need to exercise faith. Now, if you're outside the the you're you're against God. You're not following Jesus Christ. Will faith work? Well, we'll look at that here this morning. Anyway, back to Moses. Next day, he showed himself unto them that strove, and he would set them at one. Uh, at one again, saying, Sirs, ye have brethren, why do ye wrong one to another? And he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Will thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Because he thought he was on the down low and nobody was seeing any of that. But it was all out in the open, obviously. Then fled Moses at this saying, was a stranger in a land of Midian where he begot two sons. Those are important sons. Their names are important. When 40 years were expired, they appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight, and as he drew near to behold, to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled and durst not behold. Then said the Lord to him, Put off thy shoes for, the, uh, for thy feet, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and am come down to deliver them. And, and now come, I will send thee unto Egypt. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel, which appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out. After that he showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me, him shall ye hear. That's Deuteronomy chapter 18. That prophet, of course, is Jesus Christ. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness, the gathering, the assembly, the called out ones. Uh, church is not good there. Uh, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness, which the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received the, uh, the living oracles to give unto us, to whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them, and, and in their hearts turned back again unto Egypt. Let's go back to Hebrews now. Okay, so Moses, when he came, on to, uh, came to years, 40 years, according to Stephen, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. This is telling. This is telling. What does faith look like? It looks like casting your lot in with the people of God. It looks like making a decision not to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Adam, are you saying that sin is pleasurable? Well, I have found it to be so. That's the whole problem. That's the whole problem. You know, we don't have a rule, uh, don't, uh, don't uh, uh, swallow thumbtacks. There's no such rule. Why? You're not likely to do that. It's not very pleasurable, I, I can imagine. I've never actually tried to do that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things. We don't, uh, don't wake up in the morning, hit yourself in the forehead with a hammer. We don't have a rule, thus kind of a rule. Why? It's not very pleasurable. You're not likely to do it. We have rules, don't commit adultery. Why? It is pleasurable, and people are inclined to do that. That's the whole thing. You have to make a choice. How do you do that? By faith. You know, drugs are pleasurable. Uh, I'm, I'm led to believe. I'm not a drug user. I never have been. I know alcohol. I've, I've had I've tipped back one or two in my day. I was in the Marine Corps. You guys know that. 
uh, in the Marine Corps. You know, when I was in the Marine Corps, if you smoked dope, right, that was, that was, that's not a good idea. Back when I was in the Marine Corps, you know, they had this random drug testing. And Gunny would take you into the bathroom and stand right over your shoulder, <laughs> hand you a little specimen cup and say, fill that up. You ain't telling them no. You fill it up. You write your name on it. And off it goes to the testing facility. And if you, it comes back hot, you get a bad conduct discharge. And I was like determined that ain't going to happen. No how, no way. I, I've been going to mar my whole life by smoking dope and that ain't going to happen. Even somebody, you know, lit up. I just, I got to go somewhere else. I didn't even want secondhand smoke. I mean, I don't know what, how much of that, you know, you breathe in before it ticks that box. So I never, I'm not a drug user. I never was. And at this point, I'm thinking, nah, I've been 60 years without it. Good enough. Why pick it up now? Even if it is legal. It's not on my radar. It's something I want to find out about. Alcohol, alcohol is a different story. When you're in the Marine Corps, you can't get in trouble for alcohol. I mean, you really can't. Now you can, they tell me. But back along, you know, you could get all drunked up, tanked up, get into a fight, and you'd wake up in the, in the pokey, like the drunk tank, but it wasn't on your permanent record or anything. You could run somebody over, drunk driving, leave your car parked on his chest, and they'd say, uh, it's Marine being Marine. Yeah, you know how it is. You couldn't get in trouble drinking, so I kind of threw back one or two in my day. I know, you, you're having a hard time imagining that. Adam, drinking alcohol? Can't believe it. And it's only when I got saved where I said, nah, this doesn't really seem to fit into what God's wanting to do with my life. That's kind of how I looked at it. You know, uh, but it was pleasurable. Drunk is fun. I, I understand. People drink all the time. Oh, it's wonderful, you know, and they, and they have, you know, the inhibitions go away. They think they're suave and sophisticated. They think they're a great dancer. Uh, that's, listen, karaoke wouldn't exist if alcohol didn't exist. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, it's fun. I, I, I get it. I totally get it. Uh, sin is pleasurable for a season. And then the guilt. I have a great memory. I, last time I did something wrong, I think it was back in 83, I can't remember. Uh, you know how it is. You do something and then immediately you're just convicted. And yet, Lincoln, like, Hey, listen, I sin all the time. I mean, no joking aside, I, I sin all the time. And I repent all the time. You know, I, my attitude was short with somebody, and I'm exasperated with their inefficiency in a, in a store situation or something like that. I'm thinking, Ugh! you know, and then and the Spirit of God's there, and he says, you know, patience, son, patience. And I'm like, you're right, you're right, you're right. You know how it is. Somebody says something to you, and they're rude and obnoxious, and you want to, verbally squish them, but that ain't quite what a man of God's supposed to do. And so you I tell you guys, if you always knew what I thought the first time and then what actually came out of my mouth after it's checked and <laughs> brought into captivity and I check it against you'd be so proud of all the things that I don't say. Uh why is that? Because I know how sin works. It's like I'm thinking to myself like, oh what an idiot, what a jerk. Then I hurt somebody's feelings because I have a flesh eruption. I speak out of turn, say something to them, rude or, or something. And I'm thinking, like, why would I do that for? And, and sin has this way of just boomeranging back on you. And I'm thinking, like, you have that flesh eruption. The flesh gets its day, and then you're like, oh, cool. But a nanosecond or so, and then you're all like, oh, what did I do that for? 
You know, is this anybody here know what I'm talking about? Or does everyone know what I'm talking about? It's it's pleasurable for season. The guilt is never worth it. I, 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 I've understood this for a long time. And I have a good memory. I'm thinking about something. Satan's coming and he has this, it looks like a, a, a present. You know, it's all nice and wrapped and it's here, sin. Oh, I can't wait to tear into it. Wait a second. You, you can't get me on this again. Last time I was here at this crossroads time, I ended up with a mouthful of gravel. Why am I going to do that again? I remember how you just, you just scenario me, Rosalie, how this is going to be such a wonderful thing. It never is. Sin promises, but it doesn't deliver. I understand the pleasurableness of it. And our boy Moses comes to that point where he says, no, no. Hey, I can be the king of Egypt. I can have all the women I want. I can have wine, women, so You know they made beer in Egypt? They did. Um, each fair would have their own brewmaster. They never had a cold one, but they had beer. He could get drunk all the time. He could have wine, women, song. He could do, I mean, he was the most powerful. He could do anything he wanted. He said, no, I'm going to cast my lot with the, with the people of God. Well, why did he do that? How did he do that? Why did he do that? This is important because we have to to make that same decision. We have to say no to sensuality, no to sin, yes to the things that God is is, is birthing in our lives. How do we do that? How do we come to that place? Well, Moses, he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Is, Is there affliction with the people of God? Yeah, only always. All that would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But that's better than sin. Adam, that's a tough sell. Well, listen to what Moses came up with. He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Now, as King James is kind of a little bit murky. Let's, let's okay, I got I got the riches of Egypt, or I have the reproach of Christ. Reproach of Christ? Christ won't be along for another 1,600 years at this point. How does he know about Christ? Well, he understands prophecy. Going back to the Garden of Eden. He says, no, I'm going to throw in my lot with Christ. Will it, be, will it bring reproach? Oh, it always does. But I think that's a better choice than all the riches of Egypt. I, you know, like they have that just imagine, a main state lottery. Oh, just imagine. We're not supposed to just imagine, <laughs> but just imagine for a second. What what would you have to have to buy off your forever? And it, ma- it amazes me. Everyone seems to have a price, and it always amazes me what the paltry little price is. There haven't hasn't been enough gold invented that would satisfy me, so that I'll take mine now. Thank you very much. Wait, are you? Are you and you're saying, well, I'd, I'd settle for a million dollars. Just imagine. Really? Is that how much your eternity's worth? Uh-uh. I mean, you don't have respect to the recompense of the reward. You don't, you don't get the long picture in view. You don't think about it in terms of eternity. Remember when we were looking through Ecclesiastes? I know that was a long time ago. Uh, Solomon tells us the day of somebody's death is more important than the day of their birth. We celebrate birth. We don't celebrate death. But we observe death. And we say things about people, how they lived. Uh, what do you want people to say about you when you're gone? Figure that out and then reverse engineer your life. Take the steps necessary for them to say the things. Because, I mean, we'll say nice things anyway, even if you were a low life. But th- they won't mean anything. They'll just be empty words. That's how a lot of funerals are. Have you, have you been to them? 
They just say things, oh, he's a wonderful. Earth is the poor and heaven's the richer. Oh, whether he was a rascal or a saint. We, don't, we, we, we say those things. What do you really want them to say about you? What do you want the book to record about you? You didn't live your life that way. Because you're going to be in eternity for a long time. And this life is a vapor. And it's easy to make the right choices if you think about the whole thing, the big picture. Moses figured it out. And, and I'm not asking you to turn down. He's the king, about to be made king, of the most mighty empire at that time in the world. I'm not asking you to turn down king of the world. I mean, think about it all the way through. Sin? No, thanks. No, I'm going I'm to cast my lot in with the, the people of the Lord. Well, that is going to be reproach. Bring it. You know, they threw Jeremiah down a well. Sunk down there, couldn't even... How long did he stay? I mean, what, did they give him bathroom breaks? You don't want to be cast down a well? Yeah. That's what it means to serve the Lord. I think, I think Jeremiah's name is much set by in heaven today and certainly on earth. And our discomforts are, are I mean, we just think about it. We just want, we just, no, I want sin. Really? Have you thought that all the way through? Because Moses will tell us that's, a, that's not a faith choice. That's a bad, that's a bad idea. Now, I'd rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. How about you? That's what faith looks like. You know, I tell you, God's been speaking to me through this whole thing. So I, I tell you the, the story. I, I had a leak in my kitchen ceiling ended up on the kitchen floor. Ouch. We go into shopping with the guys and I had a call and cancel. What are you doing to me? You say, God didn't do that. Just, that's just called a leak. That's just life. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. He allowed it to happen. Let's just say it just, whether you're a, a, a faithful man or you're a scoundrel, that could happen to equally, with equal facility. And I'm just ascribing it to God. Either way, what does your faith look like? Because I'm like, you know, cleaning us all up and. Uh, wish that I could go like uh, you know shopping with my boys, and God is really, really concerned with my attitude at that time. Now, oh, yesterday I was putting, and then you know Tommy came and he helped me put it all the plumbing back together, which I couldn't do, and that was a real blessing. And God was talking me through it all, saying, "I know how to bless. I'll take care of you. I'll get the right people in your life." And, and then my brother-in-law was helping me put the ceiling back up yesterday, and he's really good at it. And I was, you know, and God wanted me to have a good attitude during the whole time. I don't know about you, but I hate sheetrock. I hate drywall. I hate 12-foot sections. I hate the whole process. I hate taping. I hate mud. I hate sanding. And God's like, what about your attitude? What's your attitude going to be? What's you going to, you going to curse me? You going to shake an angry fist because things aren't going your way? People do that. It's just like, oh, I can't believe you let this happen, God. You're just like, Really? I'm going to tell you, you live long enough, your ceiling's going to fall in some, somewhere, sometime. Bad, and I hope that never happens to you, but I hope you know, bad, bad things will. It's a fallen world. 
You'll get sick, whether you have faith or whether you don't. And what are you going to do in that situation? Relationships will fall apart, whether you have faith or whether you don't. What are you going to do in that situation? Man, what do you do when people die and you're not a person of faith? What do you do in that situation? I never knew. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine. Because my whole thinking is like, hey, I'll see you on the other side, is a huge benefit to me. Oh, we're all just so many animals. You're dead, you're dead, and that's it. Really? How do you live there? Just, just asking. He was esteemed the reproach of Christ's greater riches. I think than the treasures in Egypt. He had respect under the recompense of the reward. He knew that God would bless him. Is what more than all the treasures in Egypt? Listen, all the gold of Egypt in gold in, in heaven, gold is pavement. God knows how to bless. You got to understand. He really does. By faith, he forsook Egypt. We all have to forsake Egypt. Egypt is a picture of the world. It's a coming out of and an entering in. We've talked about this in the past. By faith, he forsook Egypt. You all got to forsake Egypt at some point. <laughs> you, you just have to. He's not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. The king wanted to kill him. Yeah. King would, the king would like to kill us. We have a, well, you know, the, the God of this world would like to take you out. You might tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Satan's not ambivalent about your faith in God. He's actively opposing it. Satan is not ambivalent about your faith in God. He's actively opposing it. Think about it. He would kill you if he could. Why aren't you dead? Because he can't. Because his faith in God, he says, I, you know, Pharaoh, Shmero, I'm, I'm going to just do what God says. And he forsakes Egypt. He's not fearing the wrath of the king. God, God can bless. God can see us through. And we don't, you know, we're, we're, we're very concerned very often about the wrath of or the, you know, the way people are going to, we, we, we get upset when people don't have, we don't have enough likes on our Facebook post. And if people oppose, we, we, we post something spiritual or, or pass something on a meme or something and, and people give us grief about it and we're all ready to curl up in a fetal position and call it quits. I, I think there's an endurance here that faith calls us to have. You know, if you wonder how what, what my life's all about, it's all about faith. Not faith in faith, faith in God. Most of the things I do or don't do, it's, it's the common denominator is faith. This is what my life's supposed to look like. And I figured it out. I know what the Bible says. It's not supposed to be chock full of sin and depravity and selfishness. It's supposed to be a life set apart for the Lord. I understand. You think it's always, and it, are things hard? Oh, yeah. Is there depression and discouragement? It's always there. It's always like a, you can feel sorry for yourself when things go wrong and stuff. And you say, Lord, I trust you. I, I don't get it. I don't see the big picture. You do. You know that old saying, you know, I, I, I don't know the future, but I know who holds the future. And there's, there's a lot to that. I don't know what you lead me through, Lord, but I know you're good and I know you love me. It's a faith, it's a faith thing. You, say, you know, we've been in this chapter for quite a while, but there's quite a lot to be learned. And these heroes of faith are showing us something. 
just to tell us how to approach God, how to walk with the Lord, how to forsake Egypt in some situations, whatever. So he forsook Egypt. He didn't care about the king. He, he, he just, he's, he persevered as, as if he was seeing the one who was invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So we know the story. There's ten plagues, and God is particularly taking out the gods of Egypt. And he show, it's like a showdown, you know. You know, new sheriff in town. Let me tell you who I am. I'm the God of the Hebrews. And he attacks the Egyptian gods so they'll know that they're no gods at all. And it says in the past, right? They worship like the Nile River as the life giver, right? So much of Egypt depends on the Nile. Gave them their crops and everything else. God turned it to blood. In, that, in, in the vernacular, he, he killed their god. He gave Ra, a sun god, a black eye. Heck, that was the one, she's the goddess of the frogs, you know, that, and that was like virility and... Um, many uh, offspring, so there was like a, a blessing of fertility. She's a fertility goddess. And if you see her like in the hieroglyphics, she's uh, a woman's body with a frog's head. Yuck. <laughs> Just, <laughs> that's not attractive to me. But uh, you, then there was that whole frog thing. I mean, think of this. When, when th- there were so many frogs, and they... They open up their, you know, kneading trough and there's frogs in it. You know, that would not bless anybody. And then when all the frogs died and it stank and they piled up their goddess, people have sorted through that. And, got, and finally, it's, the, it's, the, it's the, the last one, the Passover. This is the final plague. You understand. I want you to understand something. God's saying, blood covers Sin. No covering. Wages of sin is death. Let me, sh- let, me show- let me draw you a picture. And then we have the Passover. Listen, faith equals salvation. That's what the Passover is all about. You put blood on the door, the death angel's not going to get you. And the Lord passed through the land and he didn't see the blood. The oldest son would die. From Pharaoh to the lowliest of the low. There was no... No, because God's not a respecter of persons. Sees the blood, turned away. What happens if there was an Egyptian person put blood on their door? They would have just rescued their oldest son. What happens if a Hebrew person said, no, that's ridiculous, blood on the door? No. They're going to suffer loss. They're going to have a death in that house. What would make you put blood on the door to begin with? Faith. Um, eight people were on the ark. It could have held many more. For 120 years, Noah, we're told uh, from uh, Peter, was a preacher of righteousness. What was he preaching? Repentance, I'm sure. Get on the ark. Rain's coming. It never rained. That'd be a tough sell. What's rain? Well, water's going to fall out of the sky. Really? Huh. Yeah, and it's going to be so much. We're going to the, the, the water, the deep, going to be burst up, and it's just going to be whole world to be covered in water. And you can't tread water for two years, so you might want to get on the ark. Anyone could have come up and get on the ark. Who did? People of faith. 
That's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. Faith is salvation. Look. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. What would cause you to put blood on your door? Faith. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. How did that work? Well, you saw the movie. I like the cartoon version, Steven Spielberg's. I'm not a big Steven Spielberg guy. But I like the cartoon version better than the old one where Charlton Heston was Moses. That was good. It had its, it had its moments. You should, kids are saying, like, what's, what's Gramps on about now? Charlton who? <laughs> See the Ten Commandments, Cecil B. DeMille, uh, cast of thousands. Wonderful. It's, it's good. It's a good movie. And it was, it was pretty biblical. I thought they did a pretty good job. Uh, like I say, uh, Steven Spielberg had a cartoon version of it back in the either early 2000s or maybe the late 90s. And you all know who Steven Spielberg is. And I, I liked that. That was, that was wonderful. Uh, the, the, the cartoon effects were, were incredible. <laughs> Adam is a cartoon. <laughs> I know, but it was good. And, and so there's this big wall of water on both sides and they're walking down through and, the, and, it's, and it's dry land. How does that even work? I don't know. You want me to talk to you about the physics of it? I don't even know physics of dry land and water now. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand how that could happen. Water doesn't, I've never been able to stand water up, pile it like a wall. <laughs> I've never been able to do that, you know. How, how does that even happen? Well, God's God. He can do a lot of things that you, we don't have an explanation for. And follow him, you know. You, you, you know, think about the whole thing. They come to that place, as a kind of a water. They're not a, a seafaring people. You know, they're desert people. You know, one of the, when Jesus says, you know, uh, cast in the deepest part of the sea with a millstone tied around you, it would be terrifying imagery to them. They're not like a seafaring, they're like, kind of like, ah, millstone around my neck, deep water, ah, forget about it. And it would, you know, he's, he's drumming up that. So here they are. They're not swimming. They got the elderly, they got little children. I can swim like a fish. If I had a, Take both my grandchildren with me if neither one of them could swim. That'd be it. What are you going to do in a situation like that, Grandpa? What about your children? What are you going to do? You get your you get your elderly mom or dad, and you don't swim, and none of them do. And here's the Egyptian army come bearing down on you. This is going to be a bad day. No, it isn't. It's going to be a bad day for the enemies of God. We have faith. Moses, what are you shouting at me? Go forward. Hold your rod up and bada-bing, bada-boom, right? And off they go, dry land. Wow, it takes some faith. It's a, a, but you know what? It's faith in God, not faith in faith. I don't you know, I'll understand that. I think I've said this before. Faith is in God. It's not faith in faith. I think those who have faith in faith, they miss it. It's just conjecture, just positivism. If you could just muster up all your faith in I don't think that's it at all. They had a word from God. Go forward. What happened to the Egyptians? They're bold. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by, as by dry land, which the Egyptians, a saying to do, were drowned. So the Egyptians said, well, they can do it. I can do it. Oh, listen. Ah. <sighs> 
God's no respecter of persons. But some people go to hell and some people go to heaven. As a matter of fact, the vast majority go to hell if Jesus is to be believed. And I, I suggest Jesus is to be believed. This is a broad way that leads to destruction. And there's a lot of people on it. It's a narrow way through a narrow gate that leads to life. And there's few that, that find it. Well, if God's no respecter of persons, because I hear this all the time about God. If there's a God of love, why would he send people to hell? Oh, shut up. I mean, stop it. That's, don't be ridiculous. I mean, just stop it. Really? Anyone making that argument anymore? I, I can't even imagine somebody still does that. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Oh, I knew you'd get around, so you've got to believe in Jesus. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, Jesus says, I'm the way. It doesn't bother me that there's only one way. I think it's miraculous that there's a way. I mean, think about this. You, so you come up from a, with a cure for AIDS. I, I'd like if you do. I think that would be wonderful. You get this, take this pill. I don't care if you're in the last moments of life and you're dying of HIV AIDS. You take this pill and you're miraculously right back to, who's going to say, oh, I don't take the pill. I want to drink carrot juice. I can't believe there's only one pill. Who would do that? You'd be lined up. People would be lined up for miles to take this miracle cure. And nobody's going to complain that there's only one cure. And here we say, believe in Jesus Christ. You go to heaven. Oh, I can't believe that's so. Really? <laughs> do you realize how silly that sounds? Oh, I can't believe God would send people to hell. If you want to go to hell and you're absolutely sure you're not going to accept Jesus Christ, what? Who? Who? Don't, don't make your case to God. I can't believe you did this to me. You chose sin. You didn't, you fors you didn't forsake Egypt. You, there was no coming out. There was no entering in. There was no Passover. There was no... And, and this is a picture here. I'm trying to show you a picture. You say, what, am I supposed to go back to there and I'm supposed to go through the... No. Think of the... Peter tells us that coming out of Egypt is coming out of the world. The Red Sea is baptism. The coming into the, the promised land of the promises of God, the spirit-filled life. These are pictures here that they were played out in a drama long ago, but don't, in reality, but don't, don't lose the, the forest for the trees here. The metaphor is you still have to come out of Egypt. You still have to turn your back on this world. You still have to embrace Christ. You still have to have your own personal Passover. In the New Testament, you know, Jesus Christ called our Passover lamb for a reason. Why well, is it a lamb? Why is Jesus the Lamb of God? Are you connecting these dots? Because the authors in the Bible, they connect those dots. And they're expecting us to come out of Egypt. They're expecting us to go through this, through faith, you know, forsaking, following after, uh, embracing the reproach of Christ. Uh, they, the, the author would expect us the blood on our door. Metaphorically, don't kill a lamb today, okay? It's a metaphor. We, we understand that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. You say, well, I can do that. I, can, I don't have to believe in any of that stuff. I'm going to pass through the Red Sea. I don't think that's going to work out real good. The Egyptians were drowned. Why? They had courage. They didn't have faith. It doesn't work for you, you Egyptians. What are you, silly? 
That's the God of Israel is delivering his people. Now you want to join their team because when they came out, there was a mixed multitude. Some of the Egyptians said, listen, we got nothing here. I see that God's working in your life. I'm going with. Do we have Egyptians with the people of God passing through the Red Sea on dry land? Yes, we do. Yes. <laughs> were, they, were they hurt at all? No. Why not? Because they had faith. Uh, oh, listen. Am I making sense to anyone? I <laughs> come up here all by myself sometimes. It's a faith thing. It's a faith life. It's a faith walk. Remember how we started in this? Verse 38 in chapter 10. Now the just shall live by faith. Who are the just? Well, Romans answers that for us. And Romans has the same phrase, the just shall live by faith. The just are those who believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, in Galatians, we see this same phrase, it just shall live by faith. And the emphasis is on live. How shall we live? What is our life supposed to look like? It's supposed to look like faith. Well, the emphasis here, the just shall live by faith in Hebrews is faith. What's faith look like? What's faith all about? And so I've been kind of drilling down, spending time and dawdling in, by some people's accounts maybe over these chapters because this is what you need. This is what I need. We need to understand faith. It's a faith walk. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How do you do that without faith? Um, so I think today, you know, we take what the Bible has to say to us and we live it out in our life. We, there's a reason that we have all these verses here. God's trying to show us this is the life that blesses my heart. Moses, he's a murderer, God. Yeah, I know, but he had faith. See, the people of, who came out, they're a bunch of idol worshipers, but they had faith. And God knows what it is to be a sinner and knows what it is to struggle with sin, but to exercise faith. Am I asking you to, like, from this moment on, be perfect? No, I'm not. I'm not. You'll figure out sin is empty after a while. I, I think we all get to that place. It promises more than it delivers. What, is, what, is, what are we asking? What is the writer of Hebrews asking? Faith in God. It's a choice. Uh, it really, really is. Because uh, I had, like, uh, like my son has said to me, not him. He's a good guy. <laughs> He's a man of faith. His brother said to me, how can you believe what you don't believe? I don't know, you better figure out. <laughs> it's a choice, it really is. That's why God can rightfully, on judgment day, say, no, no faith. It's really a choice. How do, how do people not believe is a better question. I always knew in my heart of hearts, didn't you? And God's ways are the right ways. There really was a God. If you have questions, if you have doubts, come talk to us. Come talk to me about it. Talk to someone before you leave here today. Let's stand. Let's pray. Uh, worship guys will come. Help us, Lord, to be incredible people of faith. I mean, stuff's going to happen to us anyway. And we want to walk through it gloriously, trusting, and believing in you. Lord, we've trusted you with our eternity.
certainly we can trust you with the whatever befalls us today and tomorrow and the next day. And Lord, this season, as we we're preparing to, to celebrate the birth of our Savior, we want to celebrate in faith. And we want to be people of faith. Lord, we thank you for this great chapter that spells it all out for us. Bless this uh, word to our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.